Sales Tuners, Episode 44, Lauren Wadsworth, Manager of Global Sales Development at Dynamic Signal. But I told myself, I'm going to do this skill and then I'm going to measure and document every result that I get, every response that I get from an email and every non-response that I get. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Bob Seeger, who said, mediocrity is easy. The good things take time. The great need commitment. Today on the show, I'm joined by Lauren Wadsworth, Manager of Global Sales Development at Dynamic Signal, a mobile-first communication platform. She's witnessed explosive growth firsthand after being hired as the eighth sales development rep on a team that now boasts more than 45. Speaking of growth, Lauren wrote a post on LinkedIn, which is how I found her, that essentially went viral with more than 1,100 likes, 200 shares, and 150 comments. When she isn't taking over the internet, Lauren told me she attends karaoke at least once per week. But what I found probably most fascinating was that she studied molecular biology in school, did research on termites for four years, and has been published in a scientific journal. Before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out to iTunes reviewer TheHammer46032, who wrote, Like most sales professionals, I place an extreme value on my time, and if I'm going to spend any of it outside of conversations with clients or prospective clients or any sales activity that directly supports that effort, good luck pinning me down. Jim's podcast came highly recommended and was the best 35 minutes I've invested in honing my craft in a long time. Looking for ROI? Listen to Sales Tuners. I greatly appreciate that kind of feedback. My goal for June was to get to 50 iTunes reviews. And as of today, July 4th, my birthday, by the way, we're just too shy of that goal. So could I ask you for the best birthday gift ever and help me get just two more reviews today? I know Apple doesn't make the process of leaving reviews easy, but it would mean the world to me if you dropped me a note. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 44. But now let's get to the conversation where Lauren talks about giving up her research of termites for the flexibility and money opportunity in the world of sales. I was working in a research lab for four years, uh, studying a certain species of termites um, and their eye development and the genetics of their lens formation. Uh, and I loved it. I loved science. I still do. Um, and I lived down in LA and I was also teaching a few supplemental classes, uh, but I really wanted to move out of LA. I came up to San Francisco one weekend for a friend's birthday and I met a ton of young people that were working in the tech industry up here. And somebody that I met just put me in touch with a recruiting firm in San Francisco. And a month later, I moved up to San Francisco uh, and the only jobs that the recruiting company actually sourced for was sales development reps and account executives. So I thought I would try out being an SDR for a bit and see if I liked it. And I loved it. So, so I'm really I, excited. I was going to ask how in the world you went from studying termite <laughs> eyes to to sales. And you kind of laid that out there. But but what what were you thinking? I mean, like you, you put all this work into uh, a very um, – 
intelligent field to get into sales, which a lot of people, and, and, and this is one of the reasons I have the show, but a lot of people look down on it because they don't think it's a professional industry. What were you thinking? And I looked down on sales too for a while until I had a friend, actually, it was actually my roommate's boyfriend and he was in sales and I looked at how much money he was making, first of all, and the flexibility of his schedule. And I thought, you know, that sounds amazing. And people have always told me my entire life, you should go into sales. My mom did sales. Uh, and so it was kind of always in the back of my mind. And then when the opportunity arose, I took it and didn't look back. All right. All right. Well, uh, we, I, I also want to talk about the karaoke, but we're going to have to decide that one for another day. Uh, so, Lauren, in this show, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that have led to your success. And so I want to start out, help me better understand what is Dynamic Signal and how does someone decide to buy from you today? Dynamic Signal is a mobile employee communications app. So it's basically your company news app. It's like the New York Times on your phone, but for all your company news and information. And you can send out announcements or mobile push notifications to certain groups of employees or globally, uh, and then have visibility into all of the engagement. And so as an SDR, when we're calling on communications professionals, uh, we just talk about their pains with them. Um, they're usually sending news uh, through company email or posting it on a internal site like an intranet. And they don't have a lot of uh, visibility into the engagement. And they also don't have a way to reach employees where they really want to be reached and where they're reading news today, which is on mobile. And so that's where that's uh, how our sales process really begins here. Okay. And so in your role of you know starting out as SDR, now managing a, a global le a team of this, how were you opening up those opportunities? What did the world look like for you when you were first getting started? At that point, I was really calling uh, as many people as I could call. Um, for my first few months, I would call over 100 people a day. I set up a ton of email cadence drips uh, and put people on automated sequences. And anytime that somebody referred me to somebody else or uh, somebody you know, downloaded an ebook or registered for one of our webinars, I would call and call and call and email them until I finally got a response. You said, you know, obviously you're trying to help them with their pain point, but what were the big pain points that you were getting them attached to? How were you uh, getting them to respond to these messages and these calls? A lot of times it's just catching them at the right time. Um, I did a lot of practice. Part of our training program here is role playing with objections and just keeping people on the phone. And so I really looked at it as a game. Um, and I would see how many people could hang up on me today and keep a tally mark of that, which kept it really fun. But when I would get somebody on the phone, I just wouldn't let them off the phone until they gave me a meeting. Um, and so, you know, I would talk about, hey, I know that you're experiencing these challenges, just like everybody else that we're working with uh, first was. I would love to um, tell you more about what uh, others in your industry are doing around this today. And, you know, sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. So what were some of these objections they were giving you? A lot of times, I mean, the biggest objections that I come across every day are, we have no budget. This is not an initiative right now. Um, I'm not interested. Or, you know, this is not something that we would be considering at this time. And you said you, you kind of made it a game that you just weren't going to let them off the phone. So 
talk, you know, give me some ideas of that. What were you, what were you saying? How are you keeping them uh, on the phone? I think my favorite one, when people would say like, oh, this, I don't, this isn't the right timing right now. Uh, I would just talk about how, um, yeah, I totally understand. Um, and though we might not be a partner in the near term, it'd be great just to show you some of the challenges that we're helping other companies in your industry solve around employee communications and engagement. Uh, and then I would list off some of their competitors that we worked with to get them interested. Um, and then I would say, you know, I'd love to do the legwork of putting together a brief walkthrough of the current programs we have at some of these companies. At the very least, this will be a good way for you to learn something new about the employee co communication space and landscape that you didn't know the day before. Uh, we can, if it doesn't interest you, we can part as friends, but at the very least, you're going to learn something new. So why not have a 15 minute conversation tomorrow? These early days, like you said, you were making over 100 calls a day. I think you're putting something like you said 50 prospects into your email cadence. I mean, you were just doing some work. I mean, you were putting in the heavy work. And I think from what I understand in our previous conversation, Lauren, you were just trying to outwork everybody. I had no idea how anything worked or I did not understand the sales process. I didn't understand uh a lot of things when I was brand new in the role. So I just jumped in uh, and somebody told me the best way to succeed in this job is just fail as many times as possible in the beginning. And so that's what I tried to do. And I definitely did. Uh, and so I think, you know, I, I saw the best reps um, not making as many calls and emails. And so I thought if I make double what they're doing, at least I'll be up to speed with them, hopefully. Now you so said that was my approach. Okay, but you said you saw the best reps not making as many calls and emails. So help me understand that. How were they getting by with that? That's what I wondered for a while uh, until I really started to dig in um, and see what exactly they were doing in their day-to-day -day process. Uh, and a big part of it was making planned calls. So what I was doing in the beginning was taking all of my leads that were in were under my name and just going through and calling all of them every single day uh, and just going through the list. And then when I was done with the list, I would go back to the beginning. Then when I got a chance to really observe and uh, kind of shadow these top reps and saw what they were doing, they weren't calling as many people as possible per day. They were making very targeted calls to planned people, usually people within the same account, two or three accounts at least during the same day. Uh, and I was calling all different people from all different accounts and companies every day. So I had to kind of change up my pitch a little bit every single time before I uh, pressed call. Um, and I think that definitely is not only a time suck, but it just wasn't as planned and targeted uh, and not as effective at all. You've added some additional tools to your repertoire, but what were we talking about then? What were your, your, your tech stack then? What kind of tools were you using? We used to use um, a tool called Tout App. Uh, we use something similar today called Sales Loft, but we were using Tout. So I was, um, and we also used LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Uh, and we had some button that scraped information from LinkedIn. So I would open a bunch of people's LinkedIn, LinkedIn profiles, um, you know, import them into Salesforce and then begin calling them. And we also did a lot of list purchase leads back then. We don't do those anymore. So I think we had a VA uh, in 
somewhere outside of the country that would um, pull lists for us and upload them into Salesforce under each of our names. And then we would call on all of those as well. Nice. So you're okay. So you're sitting here, you're getting these uh, lists, you're getting all these different contacts, you're working hard on everybody, but then uh, all, all of a sudden your comp plan gets changed. And now all of a sudden you're starting yeah. to be rewarded on quality instead of quantity. Talk to me about that. What's going on? I knew this coming into the role and it was definitely a shakeup for the people that were in the role for, you know, nine months or a year. Uh, because we went from being compensated on the amount of the number of meetings that we booked each month. Uh, and then we were now being rewarded for the number of opportunities that we sourced. So instead of booking a meeting, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't, you still get paid on it. Now, the, peer, the person not only has to show up to the meeting and have the right authority and need, but they also have to be interested and have confirmed next steps in 30 days, which is really hard to get uh, a high number of those um, with, with the types of meetings that we were getting at the time, because we weren't focused on getting high quality meetings that were going to turn into opportunities. Uh, we were focused on just getting as many meetings with anybody um, as many as possible. This is where I say, Lauren, sales development is the hardest job in business, not just in sales, <laughs> but in business. And it frustrates me so much when I hear account executives complaining about the type of leads that they're getting, because to me, it's like, get off your ass and go make the calls yourself then, right? Like, of course, I agree. right? Of course you want me to just hand you a lead that's going to close tomorrow, but if it's going to close tomorrow, why don't I just go ahead and close it and I get the commission, right? So kudos to you. It, it is the hardest job. And I think when you master it like you have, you're setting yourself up for what's going to be an amazing career, but you're not one to settle. I know that for certain. You started exploring some new things. I, I'll give away the lead. You got into video. What was that? How did you get there? And talk to me about this video thing. In October, uh, there was a rep from Vidyard who sent my boss or our head of marketing a video, a personalized video. And he had his name on a whiteboard and he just talked to him and said, hey, this is what we do. We'd love to get some of your time. I don't know if my boss actually took a meeting with him, but I know he did forward that email to our entire SDR team. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, my goodness, of course, this is genius. Nobody cannot open a video First of all, if they open it and they see me talking to them and being super friendly and asking them for a quick meeting, how can they say no to that? I mean, that's so I would go to events. Uh, I think this was also a huge thing. Um, I went to a lot of events um, in the very beginning and got the chance to meet a lot of people face to face. And I started asking, can I go to all of the events? Because that's when I get the most meetings. I can book five meetings in an event, and I might only book one meeting that day if I was in the office calling. And, and that's because you could see people or they could see you, right? That's that was your exactly. thinking? Exactly. Okay. Yes, exactly. The face to face interaction is huge. It's really hard to say, say no to somebody when you see their face and they're much more humanized. Getting to the human eye side, getting to the personal eye side, right? Everyone out there on the internet is clamoring. You got to make it personal. You got to make it personal. But again, I'm going back to this and, and I mean this, Lauren, you have the hardest job in business, not in sales, just in business. And when you hear someone say, just make it personal, what is that? How, how do you, how does that make you feel? 
I would just roll my eyes when I heard that. We would have trainers come in and say, what you have to do with every form of outreach is make it personal, relate it back to their alma mater, say something that they were recently published in. And I thought, oh, that's nice. I would love to do that if I had time for a hundred different leads every single day of the week to find one tidbit out about them and then bring that up in our conversation. But I just don't have time to do that. It is frustrating. And, 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 you know, I am a sales coach by day and I promise that I'm not going in and just telling everybody to make it personalized. I am going to tell them to make it personal in some capacity, but, but you're right at scale. There's no way you can do this. And it's easy for people who don't have to do the job to tell the people who have to do the job how they should do it. <laughs> yes, it is. But then you went to video and, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, okay, there's no way if you can personalize an email, how are you going to personalize a video at scale? So, so talk to me about that. What does that look like? Cause I, you, at first you weren't using a tool. You kind of tried this out just kind of manually. At first we had our in-house designer film me and somebody held a whiteboard up behind her and I read off this script and I watched this video now and I think it's just hilarious. The words that I used, the way that I said it, it was so scripted. Uh, but I thought, hey, it's a video. Who can say no to a video? And I sent that video out to about 30 of my prospects that were really great titles and had engaged with, um, they weren't very cold. They kind of had engaged with our company in the past, whether it was our website or you know, downloading an ebook, attending a webinar, or we'd had conversations in the past, but um, we currently weren't talking. And so I thought this is, these are the warmest leads. They're all going to respond to this. I got 75% view rate on that video and not one single response. So I knew that I had to do something different after that. And I went back to the original video that our boss had sent out that somebody had sent him. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to start personalizing these to the person. I can't send any more mass emails. I have to say their name in the video and talk about them and their job, their challenges and their company. Okay. So I want to, I'm going to dig into this, I promise. But so I, I want to hone in on something you talked about. You said it was hilarious to watch the first video that you did because you read off a script and you, what you said was like the words that you used were, were pretty bad. What, what do you mean by that? Tell me, what, what are you getting at? I just used a lot of buzzwords. It was very, uh, it was a very broad pitch that I gave because I wanted to send this, I wanted to scale this and send this to a lot of people. And so uh, I tried to use the most broad language that I could um, and kind of touch on all the different use cases that we have, which is not, if you open that and you have a specific niche function at a company, you're going to close it right away, I, which I totally understand and I would too. So uh, it was just so, it was just very, um, not very specific and not personalized at all. Okay. And you were just shooting these at this point on just like an iPhone, right? Uh, we were we actually had a film camera that we used, okay. um, so it, it, the graphics looked a lot better, a lot better than the videos that I make today. But uh, it was very, it was less personalized. There's very little personalization at all, and. Um, it was not, yeah, it was not personalized. Okay. So the videos today, as you said, look a lot worse if it, it, uh, hypothetically than the ones you did earlier because they're not as produced, mm -hmm. but they're getting a much better response rate. Why do you think that is? I think it's because the authenticity of it, it seems it, and it feels a lot more genuine when you think, oh, this 
woman made a uh, a short video just for me. She wrote my name on a whiteboard and she was in an office on her computer and just took time out of her day to make me this personal video. Um, and I try to touch on that in all of my videos. Usually in my video script, I open up with, hey, this is Lauren from Dynamic Signal. I wanted to make you a quick video to um, reach out in a more unique way and just cut through the noise. And that's usually my opening line. Or I'll say, if it's a second or third touch, I'll say, I just wanted to put a face to the name. And people love that. They love that I would take, they love that anybody would take time out of their day to personalize their outreach. How many of these, Lauren, are you able to do in a day? So in the very beginning, when we were using a different tool or before we were using a tool at all, um, it was taking me about 20 minutes per video because I would have, I would do a few takes and I would also, uh, I had to shoot it on my mobile from the old tool that we were using. And uh, we have pretty bad Wi-Fi in my office. And so I don't, and this was, this also did not have to do with Wi-Fi that much. It also had to do with just the uploading process for the tool itself. Uh, and it would take about 10 to 15 minutes for one video to upload wow. onto my computer. And then I would have to screenshot that, hyperlink the video, um, and send it off in a one-off email. And that was not scalable at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and so today, and this isn't a plug for Vidyard, but today I, I hear you're using Vidyard. Is that correct? Yes. And so they and just make that, that whole process just easier, more streamlined or? Yeah. So um, the biggest thing uh, I did that, I told you about that sample size that I did with 55 videos. Yeah. Because tell, I, go, go more into that. Tell me about uh, how that went because you had to put together a business case to even get this uh, in place at, at uh, Dynamic Signal. I knew that I was getting really high response rates from videos, but I wasn't, I was probably only sending two or three a day and I wasn't tracking and measuring the results. And so after uh, a first, probably 10 videos and getting a ton of responses, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this at scale. Well, I tried to, but I told myself I'm going to do this at scale and then I'm going to measure and document every result that I get, every response that I get from an email and every um, non-response that I get. And then I'm also going to note whether the response is positive, resulting in a meeting that was booked or uh, no response at all or a negative response. So from that, I made 55 videos and I sent them all to VPs of internal communications, uh, VPs of employee communications and directors. And at this and point, these are all personalized to the person. Yes, okay. these were all, but at the same time, all I was really saying that was personalized was, hey there, Jim, this is Lauren. I know that you work at Sales Tuner. And so that was really the only personalization, unless okay. I found out something great and really cool about them. I was going to say, because um, now I'm seeing like you draw on M&Ms and, and cupcakes <laughs> and, and all kinds of crazy stuff on the on the board for that thumbnail. Right. Well, for that one, that was because she worked at Mars Chocolate. So okay. I wanted to make make it kind of funny. And I love to draw. So okay. anytime that I can do a quick sketch, um, I try to always do one if I have time. But through those 55 videos, uh, I think the numbers were I had a 37.5% response rate. And of that, of those 55 videos, 12.75% 
of the responses uh, were positive, so resulting in a, ma- a meeting book. So I okay, think I so had- hold on. Say, say that again. 37.5% response rate, and of those... To, uh, Not all, of those. Okay. Of, to, of all the videos. Of total. Okay. Response rate. Yeah. So it was huge. And how does that yes. compare to, I guess, your typical uh, outreach of just cold calls and, and emails? Across our team, the average call to meeting conversion is about 1.2%. And then the email to meeting conversion is right around there. I think it's a little higher, closer to 2%, but it's very low comparably. Wow. So that's a dramatic uh, difference. Yeah. So that was a game changer. And the biggest thing about videos is that when I started making them, I started sending them to all of these people that I had always wanted to talk to, but had never been able to get a hold of. Interesting. And all of a stu- yeah. And all of a sudden, the responses just started coming in. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I never responded to your previous emails. This is so unique. I love it. Of course, I'll spend 15 minutes with you. Okay. So let me ask you this, right? You have definitely mastered this. Um, do you think that we're going to hit a saturation point? Like, are, is everybody going to start seeing your LinkedIn posts? Are they going to start, you know, listening to sales sooners and get this tip? And now all of a sudden there's going to be so many videos out there that it's just the next tactic that is no longer works. Do you think that's going to be the case? Well, you know, I thought about that and there's definitely a reason why I did not post that article until I was done being an SDR. Interesting. <laughs> Just in case. Um, because that was that's my that's my secret sauce. That's my go to tactic tactic if I can't get a hold of somebody. And I knew when I started receiving these responses and seeing such a high response rate. And then when my team did also, we knew that not a lot of people are probably doing this every day. And so I would not be surprised if in six months you know, every SDR and every company, it's just part of, it's just another channel that they're using. Right. Uh, but for now, um, we're doing it, uh, we're do- making a lot of videos here at Dynamic Signal and we are, we've definitely scaled it since we first started doing them. So hopefully that will, hopefully that'll lead to some success for a while before everybody starts doing it every, everywhere. Yeah, I can see that. And, and the, the cool thing about this is it is hard, right? It, it is not something you can literally can just throw the camera on and just start talking. Like you have to think about the things you're going to say and you only get the one shot. It's not like you're talking to somebody live. So I, I love it. I love what you're doing. I got to ask you this just because uh, it has taken off. It has gone viral. What has it been like to res- the, the response rate that you've gotten from your LinkedIn post of sharing this tactic? What's that been like? Um, I'm loving reading all of the comments and seeing that it's resonating with people. And I love that people are tagging their teams and saying, hey, check this out. Because I that is my favorite thing to do. When I was a brand new rep, I would just comb through LinkedIn articles, uh, thought leader blogs, um, SDR podcasts and blogs, and just trying to um, you know take out any tiny piece of information or new tactic that i wasn't currently using and implement that and try it out and so i love that people are uh testing uh testing it out and really excited about it it's really cool um something else that was really funny is that one of the components of our platform that we use at dynamic signal is employee advocacy so sharing out your approved content onto your personal social media channels uh, 
like I said, it's a company news app and some of, some of that news can be shareable. And so somebody at my company actually put my LinkedIn article inside of our platform and about 25 to 30 people at my company shared that out. And that's when I saw a huge spike because now, you know, that link is on, uh, you know, 25 d- people's different social media networks um, and clicking all around. And so that's when I saw a huge spike, which is so funny because we just put it in our own platform. Yeah. How cool is that now to not only be able to show the work that you've done at, at, at Dynamic Signal to get people to respond to you, but now not only do that, but now share with them how you did that through your own tool. I think you've got like multiple great case studies in there, Lauren. This has been uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you about that. Yeah, thanks. I know. I love it. I got to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, but when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales tuners, I want to tell you about Costello, a new product I've been exploring for discovery calls. One of the things I hear most from VPs of sales is their frustration with the lack of consistency and transparency from their reps in the discovery process. If that's you, you need to check out Costello. Costello guides reps to ask the right questions, provides them with dynamic suggestions, automatically updates Salesforce, and even makes it easy to form the habits that ultimately close more deals. For a demo, head to andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. back and it's time for the money round. Lauren, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready. Let's go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I think the biggest thing was my boss telling me that if I wanted to be promoted into a new role, I need to be a top performer and I need to start taking on those responsibilities for the next role three months before the position opens up so that I'm the obvious choice and first in line when the time comes for a promotion. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Lauren, uh, you're, you're still new to the game, but if you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? I would tell myself to uh, just really study and learn more about the industry and what you're selling into and uh, learn the product a lot better. The biggest thing that I see new reps doing is um, pitching too fast without knowing the product or uh, being able to handle objections. So just really preparing yourself so that when you do get your golden prospect on the phone, you know how to intelligently talk about what we do and how we can help them. All right. Uh, two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why I love to win or I hate to lose? I love to win. If I hated losing, I think sales would be so depressing. I'm a big believer that the real learning happens when you lose or when you fail. All right. I like that. (laughs) Uh, Lauren, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Executive Presence by Sylvia Ann Hewitt. I always recommend that book to my friends uh, who are looking to launch their careers because it will really change your mindset. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Lauren's suggestion of executive presence for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. And I think I'm going to have to check out executive presence because I have not heard about that one yet. So I appreciate that. Uh, Lauren, what's something that you believe in that nearly no one agrees with you on? Well, I I think direct mail is a huge one. 
Um, I know that's kind of a weird answer to the question, but uh, a lot of people don't like sending gifts to their prospects because they think it's bribery. That's something else that I've been doing that we didn't touch on uh, that's had a really high response rate as well. Um, but it's not a lot of people uh, have ca- have caught on and really like to do that. But I love sending them gifts or handwritten notes. And that's that's another tactic that I'm that I've been experimenting with. I might have to have you on for another episode to talk more about that. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have seen a lot of success uh, in that as well. Uh, Lauren, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? If you're bored or you're frustrated in the role that you're in and that you've been doing it, maybe you've been doing it for a while, uh, start to think about ways that you can help improve your team because that always inspires me and makes me more motivated to go to work the next day. There we go. I'm going to get you out of here on this one, Lauren. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to after the show today? LinkedIn is probably the best place for me. Unless you're trying to buy, then you can totally have my cell number. I like (laughs) that. I like that. You're the first one that's gone there and I like it. So Lauren, I wish you nothing but great success in the the year to come as we finish out this year strong. Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure being on your show and thanks for having me. Lauren was a blast to talk to, extremely personable, and I loved how she used her scientific research background to run experiments in prospecting. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, make planned calls, not random calls. For many people, it doesn't take long to realize that quality over quantity matters. For example, sometimes it's not about how many calls you make, it's about making planned calls that target specific accounts. Instead of working your way through a list and starting over at the beginning, Make calls to two or three prospects in the same account on the same day. Number two, it's hard to say no to someone personally. Face-to-face communication is huge, and while you may not be able to personally meet all of your prospects at conferences, you can introduce yourself by video. It's friendly and personal and offers you a different way to open up conversations. It's really hard to say no to someone when they see your smiling face and get that human connection. Number three, ditch the buzzwords and generalities. Quit trying to make everything scale. Paul Graham wrote a great blog post all about intentionally doing things that don't scale. When you try to stuff a script with all the features and benefits of your product, while combining that with every possible use case you solve in every different industry, you end up appealing to no one. Try to bucket your prospects into groups of known challenges and then speak directly to them in the phrases they use to describe the problem needing solved. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I'll be talking to founder and CEO of SalesLoft, Kyle Porter. This guy's passion for helping salespeople is incredible, and you don't want to miss it. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guest, please tweet at me, at SalesTuners, or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list, where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right, I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay-